Welcome to Conversations with Connors. I'm your host, Adam Connors. When you can combine your passion for sports, medicine, and helping other people, I think it's pretty fair to say that you're living a life by design. So let me tell you about my friend, Dr. Sammy Masary. Not only is he a great doctor, but he's probably better people too. I know this firsthand as I started out as a patient and quickly realized what a great guy he was and befriended him immediately. He's a tough guy not to admire, and that's not just because of his medical practice, where he happens to be one of only six physicians in the country that can perform a special regenerative procedure. But the man has it all, and it's just not an accident. After all, he's an accomplished athlete, a husband and father of three boys, and an extremely and dedicated, hardworking entrepreneur. The man keeps a high moral compass, not to mention he's as humble as they come. He's one of the most sincere gentlemen you will meet. Dr. Masri also has excellent taste in food and has introduced me to some first-rate Middle Eastern restaurants. Speaking of introductions, it's no coincidence that a man of this caliber has a network that isn't that shabby either. In fact, everyone I've met through his channel has been more impressive than the next. I really can't thank him enough for doing the show today, especially given the fact that upon landing from Dubai this morning, he went straight into perform surgery, then had a full day of work, and somehow still found the time to sit down with me and have a coherent conversation. Oh, and by the way, what I forgot to mention is that during his flight, he came to the rescue of someone that was having a seizure on the plane. Something that I wish we had discussed on the podcast, however, I came to find this out after we had wrapped up. Again, going to show you his humility and character. In regards to our conversation, we talked about why it's important to take risks if you want to succeed why it's important to be yourself in order to have true relationships. We went through the importance of a good bedside manner and how making yourself available helps you gain trust and support of others. As it relates to networking, he shares with us how networking helped him to open his practice in Dubai and why it's harmful when networking to only concentrate on getting your next referral. It needs to be real and you need to look at the big picture. All right, enough of my ramblings. Let's let you hear it for yourself. So we're sitting here with my good friend, Dr. Sammy Masri of Masri Sports Medicine and Wellness. He's got a nice practice here. I'll let you tell more about your practice in a minute, but Dr. Sammy and I met through an injury that I had to my labrum and my rotator cuff, something that I'd been experiencing for months. I tried physical therapy. I'd see some other doctors to no avail and um, a pretty athletic guy that likes to stay active and I've been hindered from doing a lot of the activities that I enjoy. That is until I met you. You were able to inject the PRP and I'll let you explain more about PRP because anyone who's not familiar with it, I am a big fan of. It helped me in my rehabilitation. I think within a month or two after the PRP, I was back on the hardwood. Tell us about PRP if you could. Yeah, PRP stands for platelet-rich plasma. It's an injection procedure used in the patient's own blood to try to regenerate injured tissue, soft tissue primarily. Uh, It can be used for other things as well, like joints, arthritic joints, but predominantly it's for a uh, soft tissue injury like a rotator cuff, partial tear, 
tendinopathy, tennis elbow, and injuries similar to that. Yeah. Well, I was fortunate enough to only receive one injection. And after talking to a bunch of people, I was told that I'm very fortunate. I was told I'm either lucky or I had a great doctor. I tend to believe it was the latter. <laughs> Might be a combination of both. <laughs> <laughs> You're being humble. So Dr. Mazur came referred by two different sources. And I was really fortunate that you came referred, not actually my shoulder, that's great, but I really feel that the best part of the injection was actually having the opportunity to meet you. We met and just immediately hit it off. Two minutes into talking to you, A, I felt very confident that I was in good hands, but more importantly, that I was in the hands of a really good guy. At the time when we had met, I was involved in another business and you know we just got into some small talk about what it is that I was doing and without even really knowing me well, you offered to make some introductions. And regardless of if they were good or not, just the fact that you had extended yourself that way it was something that really impressed me. Not to mention that the people you didn't introduce me to were fantastic in terms of what I was looking for, but just good people. So I was real happy that we had that opportunity to meet and just even happier that our relationship continues. Can you tell us before we roll into philosophies on people and things of that nature, just more about what it is that you do in your practice. I'm a sports medicine physician. My main focus is regenerative medicine, which is trying to treat patients who are told that they need uh, major surgical procedures to try to treat those patients using minimally invasive techniques. We talked about platelet-rich plasma. There's other newer treatments options for patients who have soft tissue injuries that we also use. Procedures like 10X, which is a tenotomy procedure for tennis elbow, which helps regenerate the tissue as well. Uh, there's combinations of things that we can use to try to treat patients, to try to get them back moving around and getting into their activities a lot quicker than major surgical procedures, which can lead to a, a significant downtime. So we try to focus our, our goal is to try to treat patients helping them to prevent any type of surgical procedures going forward. I can't imagine there are too many doctors that do what you do. I think the main way that I am able to be successful with the procedures that I do is the use of ultrasound technology. There are plenty of people who can do the same type of injections that I can do. It's just if you can't locate the injury using the ultrasound, which is a steep learning curve, which I've been performing ultrasound techniques for guidance as well as for diagnostic purposes, musculoskeletal-wise, since 2007. I think if you're able to locate the injury and you're able to use ultrasound to treat patients with the platelet-rich plasma injections and other certain injections to localize the injury, I think it's a significant way to try to do these procedures. If you try to do these procedures in a blind fashion, meaning without any type of ultrasound guidance, I think the success rate for those procedures are less. But I did devote a lot of my time learning how to use the ultrasound, and I think it's helped me get to a point where I am right now in terms of the success. I didn't realize. I just assumed that that's how everybody did it. And what's really interesting, so I played ball a couple of weeks ago with Sant, who I don't know if you knew that I'd referred him to you. I think he had just had it a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, yeah, he's like, I feel pretty good. So I'm assuming that has something to do with the exact positioning. How did you get into this? Sports medicine or being a physician? Yeah, yeah. you know what? Both. Actually, yeah, <laughs> let's rewind the tape. Being a physician was, it's actually a funny story. I used to paint when I was young as a kid. You know, I did an oil painting that 
you know, impressed one of my dad's friends who was a physician. And he bartered with me. If I gave him the painting, he would give me a stethoscope. I think that was in fourth grade. Ever since then, I took the stethoscope to school and I uh, practiced on some patients and, I mean, some students that were in my class. And I think from that point on, it was just my dad used to introduce me as the guy who was going to be a physician down the road. So, and I think it just stuck. I never really thought about doing anything else after that other than playing sports, but. Well, sports. Let's talk about sports for a second. Didn't you play a level? You didn't just play high school football. No, I played several years of football in high school. I played four years of baseball in high school. Played American Legion baseball, a couple years of basketball in high school, and semi-pro football for about a year before I went to med school. Was it at that point that you knew that you wanted to get into sports medicine or... Did that just happen? I always loved sports, so whether I played or didn't play, but I, I definitely wanted to incorporate some type of sports into the medical background. Yeah, I mean, it was a combination of both coming together, and it worked out pretty well for me. So how did that happen? So you go to med school, you had to do a residency. Is that where it spawned into sports, or how did... No, I think I knew before I went into residency, after med school, I was looking into what fields are out there for me to go into that, that has a sports background to it. You know, there's physiatry, which gives you a little bit of sports, orthopedic surgery, and then there's uh, primary care sports medicine. So primary care sports medicine, I had to do a residency in internal medicine. So I get that background in terms of the medical aspect of sports, concussions, and any type of hormonal imbalances, thyroid issues. And then um, I did a year of fellowship in sports medicine at uh, Jersey Shore Medical Center. Gotcha. And how did you ascertain those opportunities? You have to apply. Sports medicine, when I applied the fellowship, I believe there was 85 positions in the entire country. But I knew somebody, ironically, during my residency, my first year as a resident, there was a senior resident that was actually his last year, and he was going to Jersey Shore Medical Center. And someone asked me, my senior resident asked me, what was I going to do after I was done with residency? And I did mention I wanted to do sports medicine, so she introduced me to this other guy who was actually going into his fellowship program in a couple months, and he basically said, listen, it's a tough field to get into just because it's very limited in terms of the amount of places that you can go. So he mentioned every rotation that I have in terms of an elective to volunteer and to go down to Jersey Shore Medical Center and introduce myself to the fellowship director at that time was Stephen Rice. And I did that. Every, every elective, I volunteered at the soccer tournaments and volunteered for whatever it is, the uh, New York City Marathon. So by the time it was time for me to apply for the fellowship, he already knew me, and it was a lot simpler for him to accept me into his program for the fellowship. Well, how important would you say that relationship was in terms of separating you from the pack of those other, you know, I can't even imagine how many Well, yeah, I, I think yeah. he knew what he was getting with the product in terms of me as a fellow. He also was impressed with the fact that I had done many rotations in emergency medicine. So my emergency medicine, when I did my electives in emergency medicine in medical school and doing residency, allowed me to do, I always loved doing procedures. So for him, knowing that it was easy for me to eventually learn how to do a joint injection or an aspiration of fluid from a joint, I was already ahead of the curve with the techniques that I've already picked up in the emergency room. So I think he realized that it would be easy for him to accept somebody like me at, with knowing who, what kind of person I was and the background that I already had achieved in the past. 
Did you always have the bedside manner that you have, or is that something that evolved through the years? I think it's either you have it or you don't. I don't think I had to pretty much work on it. It was just I treat patients as I would treat family members. I grew up with a large family, so I think it just it was natural for me. But uh, thank you for actually bringing that up. But I don't think about it. I mean, it's something that comes natural. Well, I think just, again, firsthand being a patient at one point, there's a huge difference in a level of comfort when the gentleman or the woman that you meet right away greets you with a smile and some small talk that makes you feel a heck of a lot more comfortable. Okay, we've got there's a human element that's going on here. Mm-hmm. It's not just a sterile environment. But unfortunately, I've been to many <laughs> doctors between injuries and whatnot, and I can't say that holds the same for them. I hear it all the time, but for me, it's not just a job, and I'm not just going in there just to do a procedure. A patient that's on the table is experiencing something that's painful or uncomfortable. You have to take that into account. When you're going in to introduce yourself and they have to have the trust in you. And I think that, I don't know if it's a placebo effect or not, but I think if patients trust their doctor and trust that they're getting good care, they, they feel like the outcome's probably going to be more positive than going to see somebody who has a bedside manner and is known to be good in terms of his skills. I think it's still lacking in terms of what the experience is going to be at the end. Yeah. Well, you do things also, I think, that you go above and beyond. I don't know many other doctors that give you their phone numbers. And again, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I did zero homework on what was going to be going on and didn't take any of the medication that was prescribed, the pain medication. And I reached out to you on a Saturday and texted you like, oh man, I'm in some agony. And you responded, well, that's normal. And if I'd probably read whatever directions that were with the medication, I would have known that. And then again, you spent the time to go back and forth to walk me through what I needed to do. Yes, I, there's certain procedures that are, you know, that patients are probably going to end up calling you and you have to make yourself, make yourself available. I don't mind that part of my practice. It's I want patients to feel comfortable afterwards. And again, it's something that you, when you provide that extra level of support, I, I think the outcomes tend to be a lot better if you guide the patients in terms of the treatment aspect and the ups and downs of certain things. And, you know, like with your procedure, I mean, there's phases with uh, PRP injections where initially the patient is experiencing significant discomfort. Two weeks later, they feel great, like everything's fine. But again, they're still halfway through the process in terms of healing. And you have to warn the patient that, you know, in two weeks, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel like you could go out there and do everything that you were doing before, but just don't do it because, you know, that's just part of the phase. And then uh, a lot of people, they don't listen and they end up having a setback. But you have to make sure that the patient understands that there are some ups and downs in, in terms of pain level. And you have to guide them through so the procedure can be successful. And as a physician, you take pride in terms of your success rates in terms of how you treat the patients with the injections. And you want them to refer other patients to you, family members to you, and continue to have that level of success with the procedures that you do. Regarding the success, so how do you deal? So that's interesting. I, I didn't realize that because you deal with a lot of athletes. And I don't mean, again, your high school superstars. We're talking legitimate NFL, NBA, MLB stud athletes that I'm sure you know, have pressure from people above them and maybe themselves to get out on the courts or get out on the field earlier than need be. How do you deal with that? Because maybe they're not adhering, I should say, to your advice and then they're getting re-injured. Most of the professional players that I treat, my job is to do my job, whether that's going to allow them to go back sooner or not. It really depends on other factors. 
I tell them how long things will take for them to heal. Some patients, some players, due to pressure from the team owners or the trainers, but I would say 90% of the time, whatever the doctor, whatever I recommend in terms of how this is to work for them, they actually do adhere to it. So they want to make sure that their career is not in jeopardy. And they, the other thing is that you have to be honest with them when they come in to see you. I mean, not everything in medicine is 100%. So you have to you know, let them know what it is that they could potentially experience and, and how long it's going to take for them to feel better and what are the setbacks and the outcomes sometimes might not be 100% in terms of what they were looking for. So if you're up front with the patients and the players, I think for you, you're doing your job. Now it's really up to them to do what they need for it to be necessary for them to get back on the court or on the field. Well, you've built a heck of a practice, multiple offices, actually, and I don't want to take anything from you. I'll let you talk about this later, but you're in the process of opening up another office in Dubai. So clearly you're good at what you do. You've built a heck of a name for yourself and you're pretty young. How did you make that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you look young. How'd you make that happen? You know, I've always looked at it as... um, You just want to continue to do better the next day than you did the day before. And I've been lucky to be in positions where I've put myself out there where I take chances and I just calculated risks. But I think it's just you have to look for the opportunity. Uh, The opportunity is not just going to come to you unless you're actually out there looking for it. Luck's when opportunity meets preparation. Correct. That's been my motto. You know, I've never worked for anybody since I finished fellowship. I did a how that happen? I did a seven month work in the ER as I opened up my first practice just to have the money to build my first practice. I was moonlighting in the emergency room. The first practice led to the second practice, and then I did open up a third practice, which has since closed. But now the thing in Dubai is again, it was I put myself in a position where. There was a local sponsor that's out there, and I was introduced to him over here in the States, and he mentioned if I ever wanted to do something in Dubai, that he'll be more than glad to assist with that venture. That was about a year and a half ago, so I took my first trip there in May, and we should probably be opening up uh, end of March, uh, beginning of April. Wow. That's exciting. How did you get the type of clientele that you have? I mean, you have A-list clientele athletes on top of your other clientele? One of the procedures that I do is limited here in the States. So the athletes know about the procedure and it's to treat certain musculoskeletal injuries. There's only six of us in the country that do this procedure. So a lot of the athletes are looking for something that can help them prolong their careers and help them get that next contract. And so we're able to help those professional players. Their agents refer those patients to us and um, those players to us. And we're able to get them back on the field where they don't have to have anything surgical uh, performed, which would can wipe out their whole season. So doing that with a series of regenerative injections really is a device that we have that can help with those players. That's great. So talk about back to this opportunity in Dubai. Is this someone that was a client also or just someone that knew what you were doing? How did that come to fruition? That's a funny story as well. I have uh, in my culture, the way that things work with I have nine sisters. <laughs> so small family. My sister's now brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband had met this person from Dubai who was a local from Dubai here in the States. He lived here for a couple of years in the States. And he actually came with my 
brother-in-law to ask for my sister's hand at lunch. So this was about a year and a half ago. Tell me you met at one of the places that we eat. We did. Eat. Yes. <laughs> right, good. I love that. <laughs> we met at Beirut Restaurant. Yeah, all right. So we, we met over there. And uh, so he made the introduction. And in that process, my sister gained a husband and I gained an office in Dubai. So. <laughs> no, but he was generally a very down-to-earth guy. I didn't know who he was, but he happened to be somebody high up in the government in Dubai. And he took a liking to me. And then uh, I went there in May and helped me with the process. And he's still helping me till this day. So that's really how that happened. I have a feeling everybody takes a liking to you. Let's talk about that. <laughs> talk to me. I mean, you've got some really interesting, I mean, even just through the people that I've met through you, or I mean, your name is Gold. What have you done? I've got to assume you take some pride in that. Talk to me about how you think about relationships and how you've built some of the relationships that you have through the years? It takes just being yourself. I really don't do anything differently than what we're doing right here. If patients take a liking to you, you know, that's good. I do have, just like any other doc, there are patients who are going to complain about what you do and you can't do anything about that. But I try to accommodate. I do personally make the calls myself if patients have any type of complaints and uh, I don't just leave that to the staff and I think that's a little bit cold for somebody who has an injury and you as a physician perform a procedure, but then you have a staff member trying to alleviate their concerns. But if there's something that's wrong and the staff knows that I need to get involved, I do make my calls. I call my patients, at least call patients every day, three or four patients a day for whatever it is, whether it's medications or whether it's something with the procedure that we did. I have no problems doing that. It's just time for me, so it doesn't cost me anything to do that. And patients, you know, really appreciate that and it continues to grow. Well, I don't even mean just patients. I mean, again, like I said, you're personally, I mean, you've got some good friends, you've got a pretty good support system that you've built. I don't know if you had a certain philosophy on how you approach your relationships, whether it's, do you set certain times, like you said, you make a couple calls at least every day to your clients or your patients rather, what do you do on the friend side of things? Like you and I, we do lunch. So that's something that we do. What are there other things that you're doing with other people? It's really the same. I mean, we do lunches. The way I tend to meet people is through introductions from people that I already know, and it just grows from there. In this area, in Clifton, you know, I grew up in Patterson, so my dad was well-known in this area, and that was a key for me to open up this practice here in the Clifton area, and I, this is my base. Even though I have a couple other practices, this is really where, you know, it starts for me just because I grew up down the street from here and um, 45 now. So, and my dad came down here when he was in the sixties, uh, he passed away in 2012, but you know, he had introduced me to a lot of the uh, locals in this area. And uh, obviously you know, I grew up in this area. So I think in combination and plus my dad had a good reputation as well. So I think it kind of... Apple's not falling far from the tree, huh? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, I've met your brother too. He's an extremely <laughs> likable guy as well and just a, a good spirit to him. How much has that played a role in developing your business? Because a lot of people that go out on their own, and not just in this field, just law, as I'm sure your brother, who's a lawyer, can attest to, law school, they don't teach you how to build a business. In medical school, I'm pretty sure they're not teaching you how to build a business. So how did you have the business acumen to go out and do this? Because there's a lot of things that you're dealing with that most people probably just don't take for granted, whether it's dealing with insurance or also just getting your name out there. Like, how do you get your, I mean, it's obviously has got to be a good portion of your business, I would assume is referral driven. 
I made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> so I think I learned from those mistakes. But in terms of business, I think I had the business sense just from growing up with my dad. He took me out with him under his wing when I was six, seven years old. We started out peddling women's shoes in the Bronx. We used to travel with the fairs and sell tapestry. And he was a salesman. I mean, that was his business. And I started working with him when I was very young. So I saw how he treated people and how people gravitated to him. And I think it just subconsciously just kind of took effect on me. And I felt I did the same thing that he did. He just was generally a nice guy. And I just, I think that part of it was easy for me just because I saw that in him and I just was with him on the weekends and any vacation I had, you know, I was with my dad. So I think from that point, dealing with people in terms of the business was for my dad. In terms of growing a business practice to what I did, it wasn't easy. I mean, it was plenty of mistakes that I made, but you tend to learn from those mistakes. And there are docs now that I see that they're making the same mistakes that I was doing before. And I'm happy to let them know, hey, if you continue doing this, this is what's going to happen. So I tend to like to share my experiences and I wish there was somebody that would have gave me that information when I was building my practices, but it just happened just making the mistakes and learning from the mistakes and knowing what to do next. And it just continued to, now I think I have a good grasp of what it takes for it to succeed. And hopefully I can take that to the new offices in Dubai. And What do you think will be some of the biggest challenges out there? I mean, you know nobody out there, right? I mean, you've got... Well, my local sponsor is a key to this whole project. Sure. I don't think I would be doing anything there without him. And you think somebody who's part of the royal family is out there in terms of being obnoxious or just when I sat down and had dinner at his house, he was just a regular guy. And he was just generally a guy who wanted me to succeed and I think he was doing whatever it takes for me to make it work out there and as long as I do my part and he does his part I think it's going to be a success and again you just you take the chance I mean if it works out works out if it doesn't then you know it's what it is you just you have to take chances in life I think just being stationary and not making any dynamic moves it's boring yeah I hear that my worst enemy is boredom so and uh my wife might not like that, but she's, <laughs> you know, she's used to it by now, and she's a great person. She doesn't try to hinder anything in terms of my progress, and to have somebody like that on your side is definitely very helpful. Huge. Listen, the greatest risks in life are those you don't take. Yes. You get people from, obviously, all walks of life, even if you do specialize in the sports arena and people that are looking to get better. I've got to assume they're just people, all different types of injuries, No. Yes. And we do get patients that are involved in traumatic type of injuries as well, motor vehicle cases, slip and falls, and work-related injuries. So we treat anything musculoskeletal we're able to treat in our practice. So it's not just the professional athlete, but the common folk as well. And uh, weekend warriors who uh, get injured and participating in uh, <laughs> you know recreational activities such as yourself with the uh, basketball. And then how do you get these types of people referred to you? I mean, you've got to be networking with all different types of individuals, it does take, not just the patient themselves. Yeah, it does take time to network with chiropractors and attorneys who allow you the opportunity to treat their patients, particularly uh, motor vehicle cases and the uh, workers' comp and the slip and falls. You're out there hitting the pavement and having lunches and dinners and going to events. If you put yourself out there, you do good work. You do get the referrals. Talk about that. And the reason I ask is I have a general doctor, my general doctor, great guy, actually awesome bedside manner. 
And I used to be a part owner of an insurance agency that catered to athletes and entertainers. And the guy liked sports. And I invited him one time. I had a box. Uh, I forgot if it was the Nets or the Knicks I was invited to. And I said, oh, hey, listen, if you want, it's a good opportunity for you to meet some people. And he had no interest. <laughs> yeah, He loves sports. He's like, I don't want to network. He didn't want to grow his business. And I was just perplexed by that, that I was spoon feeding him some really good potential client opportunities. Would you have turned me down? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. First, I love sports. And second, if you have an opportunity to meet with people who can tend to help you grow your business, I'm almost hungry for stuff like that. So I definitely would have been there <laughs> with plenty of cards. Yeah, talk about that. How have you done that? Again, from a business networking standpoint, do you just give cards? Do you follow up with people? Do you, when they reach out to you, do you follow back up with them quickly? You can hire somebody who can do the marketing for you and you might be able to catch a couple of referral sources that way. But it tends to be where you actually have to be out there introducing yourself to the people that you want to develop a relationship with. You follow up with them and you go out and you have lunch. And most of the time when I do have lunch with the attorney or the chiropractor or the other physician that refers patients to me, 90% of the time we're talking about anything else besides the doctor referral network. It's more of how your kids are doing in, in sports and family and activities and vacations that they went to. And I think if you just concentrate on making it a business, I think it's very difficult for you to establish that reputation as somebody who is a good person and is not just looking out just to get that next referral. So most of my referral sources, and they're limited just because there's certain people that I do want to deal with and there's certain people that I've actually turned down in terms of developing a referral network with just for whatever reason. But my referral sources are very limited and I'm very comfortable with that. And you don't want to overextend yourself then that can also cause more harm than good in the long term for your practice. But you have to be out there. You have to be willing to be out there and you have to be willing to discuss other topics other than, hey, you know, when you're sending me that next referral, you know, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't work like that. What does it take for somebody to get into your inner circle for you to feel comfortable referring people to them? Is it just the trust of them as a human being? Is it? I could tell you one instance where I went to an Oktoberfest and I knew one of the partners of this chiropractic group, and we hit it off naturally. We didn't discuss in the beginning anything about business. His practice is right down the street from my practice, and he introduced me to his partner. And I could tell right away that it wasn't going to go too well with the partner because he was asking about how many patients, numbers, and it just felt very uncomfortable that we're at an event. It's a social event and it's Oktoberfest and everybody's having a good time. And here we are talking about well, how many patients do I see? And uh, <laughs> Do you think so. that he lacked the social skills or was he just looking to see what I would call a taker and he just wanted to know what could you do for me? I don't know the answer to that question, but I could tell you for me, it wasn't somebody that I wanted to be part of in my circle just because I just felt like this was a short-term type of interaction whether it was going to be a one-way networking stream or not, it just, for me, it didn't matter. I just didn't feel like it was a comfortable relationship. And I still continued my relationship with his partner. 
today still have that relationship. And I can tell you, I don't remember the last time that we went out together and we talked about patients and what we did in our practices. We go out to sports events and we go out to dinner and we go out to lunch. Our wives know each other and it never is discussed, but uh, he knows that when he sends a patient to me, I'm going to make sure that that patient is very comfortable and vice versa. What about in terms of the relationship that you have? And I don't know if this lends itself to what you do or not, but do you have a tight group of people? I know that it's limited and that does the type of medicine that you do, but that you can reach out to with questions. You know, are you able to kind of share? I mean, I'm sure there's HIPAA issues that you can't like send an x-ray or something, but are there a group of people that you can reach out to with a question about how you might want to proceed with trying to help them? Yeah. There are people that I've actually looked up to when I was building my practice. There's a spine surgeon that I'm really close with. There's a pain management specialist that I'm really close with. So any type of spinal injuries, I'm not too sure of in terms of where this has to go and what kind of treatment. I can easily call these two docs in regards to spine and they'll be happy to assist in terms of what to do next. In terms of an extremity doc, there's one orthopedic surgeon I get comfortable with one person. I'm very loyal to that person in regards to referrals. And there's one extremity orthopedic surgeon that if I feel like the patient needs some type of surgical intervention, I've exhausted all means in terms of what I could do that for that patient. I can easily get on the phone and discuss the case with that doc and, you know, he'll be happy to assist. And I'm also able to assist that surgeon during the surgical procedure. So a lot of my patients are happy with that, that I'm still from the beginning to the end, no matter what it is, I'm there on the case, whether it's treating them in the office here, or if they need surgery, I'm able to assist in the surgical procedure with the orthopedic surgeon. You always want to have people that you can look up to, and you're not going to have the answers to all your questions that come up. And you always want to have good sources of people that you can trust that can give you the right advice on those cases. These people that you've known for years, or how did these people come into your circle? Yes. The orthopedic spine surgeon, Dr. Louis Cordero, he's based out of Paramus. I met him when I was moonlighting in the emergency room. And surgeons tend to be very obnoxious and very narcissistic and not want to help teach and this guy took a, a liking to me, and, and any time there was a case, and he was a trauma surgeon at the time while he was doing his spine fellowship, and any time I asked if I saw a patient in the emergency room that needed his services, he was happy to allow me to watch, and I learned certain things in terms of what he did with dislocations of shoulders and relocations of wrist joints, so he was very helpful with that. Another mentor of mine is a pain management specialist in Paramus, uh, Dr. Thomas Rajakonis. Uh, he's treated my whole family, my mom, my late dad, my brother, my uncle, any type of spinal injuries that require some injection therapy. I don't inject the spine, but he's someone that I've known since 2005, and I've built a relationship with him. And he's a guy that also, from a business standpoint, is well-established, a very bright guy, and one of my mentors. The orthopedic surgeon that I work with, Dr. Joe Bellapianta, he's actually new to this area relatively new. He's only been here for a couple of years, but he was based out of Connecticut. And he was a guy that introduced himself to me first in a parking lot. It just happened to be where we went out and continued to develop a relationship with each other, referring patients back and forth. And right now, we just had two cases this morning that we worked on together in the operating room. So 
it doesn't matter where you meet these people or how you meet these people. If they're good people, you tend to want to gravitate to them in terms of building a relationship with them. And that's always been like that. And for me, loyalty is key. I tend to keep one type of specialty that I refer my patients to. And if they do a good job, I just don't see it necessary for me to have three or four different type of specialists that I work with. I think that kind of dilutes your way of uh, trying to treat somebody. And if you trust somebody with your own family members, I think that's a key for me, you know, that they, they do good work. Yeah, I agree. All right. You had a very successful career doing your other job mm -hmm. and you pretty much decided to kind of let that go and do this. So what was the motivation behind that? I mean, that, that might be something for me in the future to look at in terms of maybe there's a second career that I... What made you think about doing something like this? So it's a culmination of a lot of things. And I've actually had a bunch of different careers and I've been involved in a bunch of different industries. I've been in a bunch of different industries and a bunch of different positions. I've always started businesses for the most part. And it's sports, neurotechnology, recruiting, financial services, cannabis, litigation, finance, done a bunch of different things. And they've been great. They've been, I've met amazing people, but everything I've done, I should say, has been about making money. And I've been pretty successful and I've always worked hard, but it's not the ultimate driver. There's been a common thread amongst things that I've always done and it's been about helping people. That's really what gets me up in the morning. And so I've, as you peel back the onion, the successes have been tied to relationships and good people that have helped me to be successful. It wasn't my IQ that I can attribute to the success. It's been the success has been contributed to the people that I've surrounded myself with. So I've been lucky and maybe not necessarily lucky. Like I was telling you, I don't believe in luck. I've been fortunate to surround myself with some of these great people. And I see a lot of people that are out there that have a lot of these other, they have the IQ, they have the drive, they have a lot of these other things, but they're not successful and they're not happy. And I have an ability to see and make connections. So I have an ability, like I'll know, like I'll, through talking to people, oh man, well, they might be better in this field or they should talk to that person because that can help them get to where either they want to go or whether they realize that they should be going in that direction. So this, what I'm doing with NetworkWise is the platform to help people to learn how to properly network. And network is about giving. Networking is really giving first. And two networks, more of a proactive approach to relationship development where you're mute, both parties that you're introducing are mutually benefiting without an ask. So hopefully that answers your... <laughs> yeah, it does. No, I think that's a tremendous way to do that with what you're doing now with this podcast. And I don't see anything that's going to be an obstacle for you going forward with this. I, I think we've known each other for close to a year now and... I don't see how this is going to be anything but positive for you going forward. And I uh, wish you much success. You have to come to the grand opening. A man, man. <laughs> I, um, you know what? Let, actually, before I let you go, let's talk about your Dubai practice. Do you have a launch date yet? I mean, if you do, tell us about it. Also, for your practice, what's your website? How do people get in touch with you? If anyone who's listening to the show has some kind of injury, tell us about that. So they have an opportunity to not only meet you, but you can help improve their lives. 
Yeah, so the Dubai project should be completed, I would say, the third week of March. That's uh, the exact launch date we still don't have. There are approvals that we have to get from the government, application approvals after construction and renovation. We'll be on the website once we do have a launch date. The website is simple, mysportsmedicine.com. You know, anybody that needs to uh, get in touch with us, either get in touch with us via email, which you can do through the website, and the phone numbers are all listed on the website as well. But uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. I think it's going to be something that it's going to take a lot of time, but I think it'll be very good to be international with uh, some of the stuff that we do. So That's great. I wish you all the best. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If so, check out some of my others on conversationswithconnors.com. If you're someone looking to build a business, increase your sales, or make a career change, go to networkwise.com. There, you'll have access to a bunch of resources that can help you get started. Thanks again, make it a great day, and remember to always networkwise.